Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Light Unto My Path podcast. I'm your host, Howard Sides, and I uh, want to point out, this is the, by my recollection and count, the 100th episode, so how about that? <laughs> okay, uh, today we're going to continue our study in uh, the book of Revelation, uh, focusing here on chapter 12. And uh, the last podcast, we talked about the first section of three in chapter 12, uh, the woman in verses one through six. Uh, today, we'll talk about the second one, uh, which is the war. And that's covered in verses seven through 12a. And the war is divided into three sections. Verse 7a talks about the region of the war. Verse 7b talks about the roles of the war. And then verses 8 through 12 talks about the results of the war. Uh, so let's get into it and start breaking it down and see what we can uh, yes, figure out here, okay? All right, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. And you're like, what? Yes, that's what it says. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. So there you go. Build it up and then drop it right down. Uh, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So that tells you what Satan's doing all this time right now. Uh, verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. All right, so uh, quite a uh, shocking passage of scripture there. If, if you've never read uh, this part of Revelation before, that there there's actually a war in heaven, uh, and you're like, when when did this happen? When you know, I'm, of course it's happened in the future, but you're like, you know, when? How come we didn't know about this? And uh, again, it points to the fact that. I, you know, I don't travel a lot, but um, I've heard many preachers preach. Um, of course, you know, you got online and things of that nature, but growing up, we didn't have all that <laughs> yet. Uh, very rarely did I hear anybody ever preach out of the book of Revelation, ever. I, I Obviously, there was probably one or two messages here or there. Um, 
but an in-depth study or uh, <clears throat> a series or something like that, uh, most preachers just tend to stay away from it. And and it, I, I, I generally think that a lot of it is many Christians in general, not just pastors, not just preachers, not just teachers or missionaries or whoever you may be, but I think a lot of Christians in general are intimidated by this book. I said it at the beginning, and that's pretty much why I wanted to go through the book of Revelation. Uh, it was quite a challenge. Uh, I, I, I had my own re reservations about it. You know, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to tell you something wrong. Uh, but it is part of the Bible, and it is as important as the book of Genesis is. Genesis is the beginning. The book of Revelation is the ending. If you want to know how this thing turns out, th this is the book. This is the book that we've got to come to, and, and it tells us everything we need to know, even things that are going to happen after we're out of here. Yeah, so uh, a lot of useful information here, and it scares a lot of people. It scares a lot of people off. <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's get into this section here about a war in heaven. Heaven's the B. Uh, heaven's to Betsy is, <laughs> and uh, find out what in the world's going on. All right, that first phrase. Uh, yep, yep, yep. The first section, uh, the region of the war, uh, and there was war in heaven. Now, this is a totally separate event from that one recorded in Isaiah chapter fourteen when Lucifer originally rebelled and was kicked out of heaven. So now, you know, there was two. <laughs> How about that? There was I, now, I I don't know if the first one was actually a war, per se, uh, as much as God just kicked him out of heaven. But when he kicked him out of heaven, he still had access. Don't forget, in the book of Job, it reveals to us that Satan was still allowed access to God. And even here, in verse 10, at the very end, it says, which accused them, being the Christians, the brethren, uh, before our God day and night. Uh, he is constantly up there in God's ear. Hey, did you just see that? Did you see what so-and-so did? Hey, did you just hear what so-and-so I can't believe so-and-so did. This is what he's doing. And it says day and night. Day and night. It never stops. Never stops. Can you imagine? <laughs> in a lot of these pictures we see of God being a white-haired old gentleman... That's if if for nothing else, it's because Satan's been worrying him <laughs> the day and night he can't get any sleep. I'm just kidding, okay? Of course not. Uh, that's just a joke. Uh, but but it's not a joke here that that what Satan is doing. Day and night he's in Christ and are in God's ear accusing the brethren. It says it right there. So uh, here heaven is the word oranos, oranos meaning the expanse of the sky and everything in it, in it, which includes all celestial bodies. It includes the universe, and by extension, uh, it also includes heaven as in the abode of God. So when it says there is a war in heaven, uh, mark it down. It's in the abode of God. I, I sincerely believe that. All right? Uh, I may be wrong on that, because, you know, there's no sin in heaven. And uh, here you got a war. Now, again, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say war is a sin. 
So, uh, you know, it could happen there. Um, it's just so something that's so far-fetched from what we think of heaven uh, as a war taking place in heaven. I, that just can't be. It just can't be. We just we just can't comprehend it. But there it is. It says it. Plain and simple. All right, second part of verse 7. Uh, let's look at this second section. Uh, the roles of the war. The roles of the war. Um, there are two here. Uh, the first group is the archangel. The second group is the adversary. The archangel and the adversary. Uh, first of all, the archangel. It says Michael and his angels. Now, who is this Michael? Uh, let's look at his name. We're going to break his name down uh, in the Hebrew uh, way it is and, and, and see what it means. All right, the pronoun M-I means who. M-I means who. Uh, the preposition K-E means as or like. The noun E-L means God. So, when you put them all together, my, key, L, Michael, it means who is like God. That's what Michael's name means, who is like God. Now, his name poses a rhetorical and negative question that demands a negative answer. What I mean by that is, who is like God? And the only answer is, no one. <laughs> no one. This is key as his presence stands in stark opposition to the very one who boasted in Isaiah 14, 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So Michael stands before him and says, who is like God? No one. That's why Michael is the one. Uh, so that's his name. Now let's look at his nature. Uh, Michael is known as uh, the protector of the nation of Israel. Uh, the Bible tells us that he, uh, number one, fought against the princes or the demons of Persia and Greece. <laughs> yeah. Daniel chapter 10, verses 20 and 21 says, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. So he's fighting against the princes or the demon rulers of Persia and Greece. So there you go. Uh, are there angels in on the earth? They sure are. And there's angels in charge of all these different countries too. Wonder who the angel in charge of America is. Good question, huh? <clears throat> um, the second thing the Bible tells us about Michael is that he fought against Satan himself for the body of Moses. The book of Jude, verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. <laughs> so... Uh, not only is he picking fights with the demons, he's going after the, the general himself. All right, so that's the archangel. Now let's look at the adversary. 
uh, in, and it's in the phrase, the dragon fought and his angels. So Michael and his angels, and then the dragon fought and his angels. Now, several of his names are given in verse 7 and in verse 9. And uh, it's, it's like they list them all out. When, when John was writing, he listed all of them out. <laughs> um, the one uh, that we see first, the great dragon, uh, stresses his vicious and cruel character and emphasizes his end-time activity and behavior. Uh, then he is referred to as the old serpent, which clearly identifies him as Satan and his appearance to Eve in the Garden of Eden. It reveals to us his crafty character, and it reminds us of his constant activity of temptation and deception. He never stops that stuff. It's always there. Um, the next one is uh, the word devil. Devil. In the Greek, it is the word diabolos, diabolos, which means a false accuser, uh, prone to slander, especially Satan. So it reminds us of his attempts to mar the character of God and to accuse the believers. And again, I'll tell you the end of verse 10 right there. Flat and clearly says, who accused or which accused them before our God day and night. That means non-stop. Uh, and then the other uh, descriptive term is the word Satan itself. Satan, uh, which in the Greek is uh, Satanus, Satanus. Uh, the word is of Chaldean origin, which also means the accuser, an adversary or an opponent. And it shows us that Satan is the opponent of God, of believers, and of all that is good and righteous. All that is good and righteous. All right. And that brings us to uh, the third point, the results of the war. This is the biggest portion here, uh, verses 8 through 12. And the results of the war are covered in uh, two points, which actually have a lot of sections to them <laughs> themselves. Um, uh, which the first section is in verses 8 through 9, the efficiency of this operation, the efficiency of this operation, and then verses 10 through 12a is the effect of the operation, the effect of the operation, and we'll get into that. All right, so first of all, here under the results of the war is this uh, efficiency of this operation, verses 8 through 9, uh, the phrase, and prevailed not. Okay, and prevailed not. The absolute purpose for this war is to cast Satan down from heaven permanently. Flush him down the toilet. Get him out. Totally. Now, there are four total falls of Satan. Four total falls of Satan. The first one uh, is, of course, Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, he was cast out of heaven into the air where his title was made Prince of the Power of the Air. Um, second is here, uh, where he will be cast from the air to the earth. From the air to the earth. Third, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 3, he will be cast into 
the abyss. And then fourth, uh, the same chapter, Revelation 20, and verse number 10, he will be cast into the lake of fire. So the abyss and the lake of fire, again, are two different things. We talked about that in the first um, first few studies of the book of Revelation, like an introduction, I believe. Uh, we talked about that. <clears throat> All right. So the lake of fire is his end result. All he does is fall. You ever notice that? All he does is fall. All right. Uh, the next phrase. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Uh, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, their place. Um, let me explain something about the word there. The English language uh, has this unique thing where you could say, I could say the word see, and you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. It could be one of three things. When I say see, it could be the letter C, A, B, C. I could say see, and you think of looking with your eyes to see something, S-E-E. -E. I could also say see, and you think of the ocean, the water, see. Also, the same fits for when I say there. There is three different definitions, three meanings. There, T-H-E-R-E, is describing something away from us. There, over there, pointing to a place away from us. There, T-H-E-R-E. There also is spelled T-H-E-I-R, meaning something that belongs to a group not of us, theirs. It's their house, not our house, but their house, T-H-E-I-R. And then also there, which is a compound or a conjunction, I'm sorry, conjunction, uh, T-H-E-Y apostrophe or E, which means it's putting together two words, they are, there, they're almost here, they are almost here. They're on the way, but they're not quite here yet, okay? So, there, there, and there. Here, it says their place, T-H-E-I-R, which shows possession or ownership of a position. So, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So, apparently, they had uh, some place in heaven that was saved for them. Um, but... <laughs> uh, this statement does not simply imply that they had no more room in heaven for them, but rather the place that they were allowed in heaven was utterly erased, it was removed, it was destroyed, so that it would never be there anymore. So it wasn't like uh, uh, making a room vacant. It was the destruction of the hotel. How about that? that that's what it is. Uh, it, it was completely removed. Um, the next phrase, and his angels were cast out with him. And his angels were cast out with him. Uh, now, if you've never uh, heard any of his sermons, or if you haven't read his book, James Knox, out of Deland, Florida, <laughs> is a unique character. <laughs> uh, 
great sense of humor. Um, and and I'm, when he's preaching, when he's teaching, when he's writing these books, I, I mean, he puts it where it's at. And uh, he has a statement here uh, out, out of this phrase that um, it is kind of funny. But at the same time, I mean, it, it puts it where it's at. I mean, he lays it down. And, and so I'm going to quote out of his uh, book, the book of Revelation, uh, on, on this phrase here. And I quote, from the late 1940s through the 1970s, movies, books, magazines, and television showed an occasional interest in UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Such were usually associated with the outer limits of literary society and were seldom taken seriously. With such films and TV shows as Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., and Star Trek, the focus changed, and space aliens began to be viewed as mainstream. On the university campus, the theory of evolution had become such an embarrassment <laughs> yeah, that an alternative had to be found. Occasional visits by superior life forms to cause the gene pool to leap forward became a workable solution to the absence of any missing links. NASA and Captain Kirk worked to persuade the masses that if there were somebody out there, and there must be for a look at all the stars, they would certainly be good guys. And when they came, they would help us solve all our problems. Well, Revelation 12, verse 9, marks the arrival on earth of these superior life forms from outer space. They are fallen angels, satanic servants of his majesty the devil, and they will come close to destroying the human race in less than three and a half years. There is only one person, in quotes, up there, uh, who can help anybody, in quotes, down there. Even so, come Lord Jesus, end quote. So, <laughs> um, here's another interesting fact, or an interesting note to make. There are 404 verses in the book of Revelation, making chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, the middle verses of the book. Verse 8 and verse 9 is right smack dab in the middle of Revelation. And how does it start? And prevailed not. Does that not just tell us everything we need to know right there? Uh, not just in Revelation, not just in the New Testament, not just in the Bible, but in all of the history of humanity and this world, no matter what it is, could be wrapped up in three words right there. And prevailed not. He failed. He has fallen. He continues to fall. And he will continue to fall. And he's going to fall. Uh, he's going to be kicked into the lake of fire. But uh, he fails. It's failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. And prevailed not. So there you go. All right. Now, uh, the second note of this, the uh, effect of the operation, verses 10 through 12a, the effect of the operation. 
Uh, and let me see. I can actually break that down into uh, two sections there. Verses 10 uh, through, well, we'll say the very first phrase in 12 uh, is a great proclamation in heaven. And then in, uh, well, uh, yeah, the second part of verse 12, a grim proclamation on, on earth. Uh, it's talking about the woe, which is actually the third point of the study here, but uh, it's tied in all together anyway. Overlaps. How about that? All right, so a great proclamation in heaven. Uh, and I heard. Uh, all right, let me see. Yeah, might need to take that out. Okay. <laughs> Making notes as I make notes. Uh, and I heard, verse 10, uh, John reminds us that he is no more than a spectator and witness in these events. John's not participating. He is merely observing. Uh, now is come. Now. That is the Greek word R-T. A-R-T-I. R-T. It is an adverb from a derivative of Iro, A-I-R-O, through the idea of suspension just now, at this very moment. So now means now. <laughs> uh, many times in the Bible it says now is the day of salvation and all that, and it means from this point on. Uh, here when it says now, it means boom, Mark, uh, th this is the point right here, right now. Uh, is come. That which was anticipated is now present. So it's not just, okay, now it's on the way. It, it's, okay, it's here. It's it's here. So what has come? Now what has come is what it says. Um, now there are four great heavenly freedoms uh, that we can discuss. Uh, there is salvation. There is strength. There is the kingdom of our God. And there's the power of his Christ. Um, the first one, salvation. The salvation spoken of here is referencing two ideas, that of victory and that of completeness. In the victory, it's talking about total and final victory. Uh, why then the Battle of Armageddon later on? Armageddon is the action taken to remove Satan from interfering with man's actions, temptations, and etc. Then he is let go to prove to man that we cannot survive on our own. We always need God. Uh, the battle of Gog and Magog. Then Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, so again, failure after failure. I refer back to verse 8. And prevailed not. Okay, so uh, salvation, two ideas. That of victory. Uh, the second one, that of, of completeness. Our salvation will not be complete until we are in his presence. Now, we are saved unto the day of redemption. Don't get me wrong, uh, but we, our bodies, our our uh, bodies will not be transformed until we're raptured out of here, until we're in his presence, and then we get our glorified bodies. That By that, I mean the, the completeness of our salvation. So, uh, now this not only goes for the church, but it'll also take place for those who are saved during the tribulation as well. Don't forget that. And there will be some. Uh, all right, so that covers the point of salvation. The second one is strength. Uh, his strength cannot be compared to our earthly knowledge, and he shall rule and reign with unmatched strength. Uh, it'll be like anything uh, we've ever seen. 
anything we've ever observed, anything we've ever heard of. Uh, third, the kingdom of our God. The kingdom of our God. Uh, when his reign is established on this earth, there will be unmatched peace, righteousness, and freedom. Again, even today, uh, looking back on the greatness of what America used to be, because I'm telling you, it's gone, and it ain't coming back. You can mark her down. America is headed down the toilet. I don't know why I keep referring to the toilet in these past few lessons. Please excuse me for that, but that, that's where it is. That's what we're living in. It's a world of trash. Um, and I, I, America's going down that way. And, and I want to say this. Um, I know there's people out there who pray for revival. I know there's people out there really uh, astute and paying a lot of attention to uh, what's going to happen in the next few elections. And let me just remind you that uh, we should put our faith totally in Jesus Christ. Um, I agree with the things Trump says. I, I, I agree. Some of the things he said was harsh. Hey, <laughs> what's that saying? Lay with dogs, you're going to end up with fleas. Uh, most of what he said, uh, it fit. So, I, you know, Sometimes the truth hurts. Um, we've lived in this world of participation trophies for so long uh, that it's made us soft. It's made us weak. And so when somebody stands up and, and tells the ungarnished truth, uh, hurts so many feelings. So be it. But you cannot deny the fact that uh, if, if they would have left him alone and, and worked with him, uh, this country would have been well ahead of where it's at now. But no, uh, and it wasn't even a, a vote for Biden. I haven't heard anybody yet tell me that they voted for Biden. They voted against Trump. That's what it was. But be as it may, I, you mark her down. I sincerely believe, no matter what people say out there, I sincerely believe that at this point in time, with what happened in the election two years ago, uh, you can say what you want to say, but you know they cheated. The Democrats cheated. They lied. They stole. They whatever. Um, when they locked out the other observers, that action alone, that action alone counted all them ballots invalid. And yet, the Supreme Court refused to say that it was worth a trial. They never said there was no evidence because they never let it go to trial. That's what Rudy Giuliani was trying to do, was present the facts, kind of like a grand jury thing. It's not the trial itself. It wasn't the presentation of the facts to view whether they were true or not. It was the fact that there's enough question that we should review in trial the facts they would not even acknowledge that there's not enough question. That, that, that's what it was. And that's troubling. And I'm a firm believer that if they've got away with it then, what makes you think they're going to let another one go? They're going to go, they're going to push for more. Uh, I, you look at what goes on in the book of Revelation 
and you think uh, of how bad it's going to have to be uh, when it starts, we're close. Why would things go in the reverse? Uh, I mean, yeah, we are living in the age of grace. I do get that. I do get that. But at the same time, uh, we as humanity have kept saying to God, no, no, not interested, another day, come back later, don't want to hear it, uh, leave me alone, and God has given us what we have asked for. God's given us what we have asked him for. You think, why is God letting all this stuff going around here? Like He's not allowing it. Uh, we have allowed it. We've actually asked for it. And so there it is, okay, in a nutshell. So if you're relying on this next election coming up and then the next presidential election, is there to be uh, sweeping uh, truths to come out and that sort of, yeah. Uh, you just hold your breath. Just hold your breath. Because I don't see it happening. I really don't see it happening. No siree. All right. All right, I chased that rabbit far enough. He's tired and we'll let him lay down. And we're going to get back to this. All right, so we talked about the phrase, the kingdom of our God. Here's the next one, the power of his Christ. The power of his Christ. This speaks of Christ's governmental authority which will only begin once he sets foot on this earth once again. All right. Uh, the next phrase here, for the accuser of our brethren is cast <clears throat> down. Uh, and, and I've got it in bold here. It said this one little phrase is the massive turning point of the entire tribulation. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. <laughs> That just should make you feel good all over. <laughs> really. The accuser of our brethren is cast down. Not knocked out. He is cast. That means he is thrown violently. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this event marks the point. The point. Yeah. The point. When Satan no longer has an audience with God. God has finally shut him completely off. Satan, realizing that this move marks the beginning of his end, will unleash his full might and power against everything earthbound. That is a frightening thought. Uh, here it is. It's coming up towards the end of October, which of course means Halloween. You want a scary thought? Th think about that for a minute. God has totally shut out Satan, kicked him out of his apartment in heaven. I, I, that's hard to say. I just can't believe that. Uh, but he had a room there or a place, whatever it is. And now he turns his full might and power against everything earthbound, including those angels coming back with him. Can you imagine when that wave hits what is going to be unleashed Think about that for a minute. God help us. Because that's all they can. God help us. I know we ain't going to be here. Well, God help them. How about that? If that makes you feel better. All right, verse 11. And they overcame him. They, 
are the accused over in verse number 10. Uh, Verse 11 tells us about three victories of the accused. Three victories that the accused have. First, there is the cleansing of the saints in the first part of 11. Uh, The second one is the confession of the saints in the second part of verse 11. The third one is the courage of the saints in in the final part of verse 11. So uh, let's look at those points. The first one, the cleansing of the saints, uh, is represented by the phrase, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. And that goes with that song, the wonder-working power in the blood. Yeah, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. There it is. Uh, The display of his blood is not crude. The crudeness of our sins actually made the shedding of his blood necessary. So it's not the display of blood and gore that, that is anything. There's nothing crude about that. In fact, it, it is our sin that is the crudeness. Uh, so any victory we may have will be because he shed his blood for us. That's the only way we gain any uh, victory right there. All right, second point, the confession of the saints. Uh, is uh, represented by the phrase, by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Now, this speaks of true martyrs. Those who belong to Christ should never deny him, but there are many. There really are. Uh, Matthew 10, 32, 33 tells us, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, Him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. We should have a true testimony in this world. It's easy to testify in our church where everyone amens everything you say, but our testimony should be true and honest in this godless, blaspheming world. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying we need to go out here with hammers and knock people in the head. All you got to do is be a light. And trust me, people know... I heard this today on the radio, uh, and it was a great point. The The word darkness in the English language is not a description of a thing. Darkness is not a thing. As a matter of fact, the only way there is darkness is because there is the absence of something. Darkness is, I guess you'd say, created by the absence. When, when light leaves, darkness is there. When light comes in, darkness leaves. Darkness and light can't be together. So in this world of darkness, as people walk around, and when someone who has the light shows up, trust me, they're going to know. They have no way but to know. If you acting like light, <laughs> if you walk around acting like they are, cussing and drinking and carrying on and all of that, yeah, that, that it might be a light that's going to be real dim. Yeah, hard to see with a dim light. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, third victory of the accused here is the courage of the saints. And that's in the phrase, they loved not their lives unto the death. They loved not their lives unto the death. Now the exalted uh, <clears throat> plane, yeah, the exalted plane where we put Christ above all else. And, and basically that is talking about these martyrs who have died Listen, there's going to be many Christians who've died who 
haven't done this, but there's going to be a lot who died, uh, who did do this. There were many martyrs right here in the New Testament. There's going to be many martyrs uh, through the uh, through the uh, tribulation period who have to stand and say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ even at the cost of my life. And and again, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I've mentioned that before, um, has many uh, examples in it of, of, man, just the atrocity, the evil things that man can do um, in the name of God. I mean, think about this for a fact. Most of the of the reasons for a martyr, martyrdom or martyrdom, whatever you call it, was from a religious group trying to enforce their will on another. It's not evil men destroying Christians. The majority of them uh, were religious types. Yeah, yeah. Uh, think about the Inquisitions, the Spanish Inquisition, and. Uh, many of the others, uh, those were born out of uh, people rejecting the Roman Catholic faith. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so, um, again, that phrase, the exalted plane where we put Christ above all else. Now, J. Vernon McGee, in his uh, commentary on this uh, phrase here, he says, and I quote, The great problem today is not the set of rules you may be living by. It is what is behind the rules. Here is what you need behind them. The blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and love for Him above everything else. End quote. And that's a great statement there. Yep, it's not just what's in the rules. Uh, it's what's behind the rules. Yeah, how are you living your life? I mean, that's what it boils down to. Okay, now from this point on, uh, the saints will no longer be praying because of the accuser, but we will be praising because of the Savior from this point on. <laughs> well, man, that's just a good feeling. I mean, can you imagine getting to that point where you don't have to pray uh, because of the accuser anymore? All we're going to be doing is praising the Savior from this point on, and that's worth a great big amen. Uh, I need to go and bold that statement yeah <laughs> okay um the second and final point here is a grim proclamation on earth uh again verse 12b uh, and that's in the next thing but we're talking about this word woe woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time man can you imagine that? Can you imagine being one of these helpless people standing here on the earth and you're looking up and, and I think it's going to be visible. You're seeing, I mean, for, for, for every intent, what it is, it is hell coming. I mean, it's Satan. It is his angels, his demons, and they're coming for you. How else can you explain that? I'm, Oh my goodness, can you just imagine? And listen, uh, two statements about it and then we'll be done. Uh, John Phillips in his book, Exploring Revelation, 
He says, and I quote, <clears throat> Satan is now like a caged lion, enraged beyond words by the limitations now placed upon his freedom. He picks himself up from the dust of the earth, shakes his fist at the sky, and glares around, choking with fury for ways to vent his hatred and his spite upon humankind. Woe indeed to the inhabitants uh, of the earth and of the sea. Remember, the Lord has planted his feet upon both, so that even in this scene to which he is now confined, Satan discovers he is checkmated and mastered by the one he hates most of all. End quote. <clears throat> Excuse me. James Knox, in his book, the, the Book of Revelation, uh, he says, and I quote, From this point to Armageddon, every enemy of man in the entire universe is concentrated on the earth. End quote. Let me say that again. Quote, From this point to Armageddon, every enemy of man in the entire universe is concentrated on the earth. End quote. If you want to wrap it up in a word, woe is the word. Man alive. Boy, just, just to think of what's coming. For and, and think about it. I mean, they're condemned already. These poor souls left on the face of the earth. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that, that should motivate us right now to pray for our family members who have gone by the side. Uh, I mean, they may be saved, uh, maybe backslidden, but it, we should be praying for them anyway. But what about the family member or the friend um, who has never seen the light? And, and we don't even know that. Sometimes people are saved and we don't know it. They may act like they don't have never seen the light or something of that nature. Um, they, they, they still need our prayers. <laughs> and, and I'm sure every one of us out there has somebody like that. We need to pray for them. Yes, we do. We need to pray for them. Uh, I am envisioning in my head right now, standing on the earth and looking up in the sky and all you see is the devil coming and every demon in his power right behind him. And that look on his face, I mean, ticked off, doesn't even start to describe what that's going to be like. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. Okay, all right, so that's the end of that one, and um, next podcast we'll get into the final thought there, the woe, uh, starting in the second part of verse 12 down through verse 17, and that'll finish up chapter 12 for us, all right? So once again, thank you for being with me on episode 100. <laughs> um, I'm not throwing a party or anything, I mean, <laughs> it's just me here and, and you listening, uh, so, uh, uh, anyway, uh, I, I give all the glory to God, uh, that he's allowed me the time to do that. I know there's, uh, sometimes I try and knock out about two or three podcasts in a row, uh, to try and keep them here. Cause I, a lot of you that are, uh, that know me personally and comment on it and you're like, when's another one coming? When's another one? I'm, I'm trying, uh, this working third shift and mowing the yard and doing a little bit of woodworking and, Having to catch up all the other stuff, it, you know, it, it takes time. So, uh, Lord help me. We'll get it done. We'll get through this book. 
sometime. Okay. All right. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Uh, remember to pray for me. Uh, pray for each other. Pray for our country. Even so, Lord, come quickly. All right. Uh, thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode.